Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to the Limitless Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for joining us again this week. Today, we're talking about how blindness is a spectrum. Some people might assume that people who are blind see nothing or see dark, and that's not usually the case, actually. So there is quite a spectrum to be classified as legally blind, which we're going to talk about. And I have some awesome co-hosts with me today, Ishitha, Jenny, and Randy. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Hi, good to be back again. Been a while. Hello. Why don't you each remind our listeners um, who you are, what your level of vision is, and what is the term that you use to describe your blindness or, well, I don't want to give it all away. Well, let's just go with that. What's How do you describe yourself in terms of the, the spectrum of blindness? Um, Ginny, do you want to go first? Sure. I'm Ginny. I am a university student and I was born with no vision. I have a condition called bilateral microphthalmia, which means that my eyes weren't fully developed. So I actually have prosthetic eyes and um, I am what we call a total. So I have no vision at all. Um, so when I talk about myself, I say I'm blind. Um, sometimes if I want um, to make it less scary for people, I'll say visually impaired, I, I, but I will talk more about that. But usually I prefer blind because that's what I am. Great. Thank you. Hi, my name is Ishtha and I have a condition condition called coronary dystrophy and that primarily affects my central field of vision and the way that I like to describe it is like I'm kind of half blind so I don't have half of my visual field. Um, I can see general shapes and colors pretty well but have issues with seeing finer details and in terms of uh, terminology um, if Kind of like Ginny, when I'm kind of being more broad with it, I say visually impaired, but uh, I also use partially sighted and uh, low vision when I'm kind of more specifically talking about what I can and can't see. Um, but now, and I'll get into that a bit, but I've gotten more used to using the term blindness because it really wasn't in my vocabulary growing up. I was heavily shied away from it, but I also now use blind. Okay. Hello, I'm Randy. Uh, my condition is called arthroophthalmopathy or Stickler's syndrome, which is way easier to say. Um, I basically see everything, just everything badly. So <laughs> like I can see people, I can see shapes, I can see colors, I can see, um, you know, I can read regular print, which is a pretty good um, way to describe things to people, but I would have to hold it like a couple of inches from my face. So, you know, I can, I'll never see a person's eye color at a conversation distance or anything like that, but I won't, you know, walk into, you know, a car that's parked somewhere or something like that. I like to describe myself as visually impaired because I fall into a bit of a gray category because with my glasses, I don't measure as legally blind, which is 10% of vision or less. And I'm roughly around 15 to 20% maybe. It kind of depends on the day, the time of day, how tired my eyes are, et cetera, other factors. Um, and that is the official legal definition um, and how they measure it is with any corrective lenses. If, if glasses or contacts help your vision in any way, that's how they measure it. So I'm not officially legally blind and I see everything uniformly badly. <laughs> and just, I don't always sort of talk about my, I don't, I don't remind everybody every episode about my vision because that would get boring, but 
I have a degenerative eye condition. Um, so when I was younger, I could see more than I can now, but I'm pretty sure I was always legally blind, but more partially sighted, I guess. I used the term visually impaired for a very, very, very long time. Uh, now I have only like a little bit of light perception and a little bit of something, sometimes shadows, if the lighting's just right, kind of in one eye. So, um, definitely use the word blind. Um, but interesting throughout my life, I, I will, like Jenny said, use visually impaired, maybe in a social setting where I'm trying to kind of like downplay the blindness or make it less scary to people. Um, because people don't really know what visually impaired means. So it does kind of maybe let people think that there's this gray area. Um, but if I need help, like assistance in a store, I will always use blind because I feel like people understand what that, what that means. Um, do you guys have a preference between visually impaired and partially sighted? So I have a personal preference and that really only relates to describing myself. I don't care what anyone else uses as a, you know, community wide terminology or a group of people they're describing. I use visually impaired as opposed to partially sighted because in my head, partially sighted would be like, I guess kind of like Ishita where if I was missing a, you know, a corner of my vision or the central or the peripheral or something that would be literally part of my mm. view field would be gone whereas mine is equally bad all the way across and nothing no section is worse than the other so i don't feel that partially sighted describes me mm. Interesting. you know mm -hmm. um, e equally i have had very stable vision pretty much my whole life so i've not had vision loss from what i was probably born with so i also don't use that terminology mm -hmm. I don't think I have a preference just because um, I, I think when I'm with people who are sighted, I would use visually impaired more because you're right, Sean, in the sense of it's a bit more ambiguous. People don't know what that means. And it's just an all-encompassing term. But when I'm with people who are also blind um, and may understand that I'm referring to a feel like an actual part of my vision not being there, I would say partially sighted. Um, so I think it's really just the context um, and then also same with low vision. So if uh, if someone called said to me, I wouldn't mind. I just kind of use them interchangeably depending on who I'm with and what the situation is. I agree as well in the sense of visually impaired can encompass everything. And even though I'm like totally blind, I find that I would never use partially sighted for myself. <laughs> but visually impaired, yeah, like personally... When I use it, it's my vision was impaired. My eyes were impaired um, when I was born. So I still qualify under that. Um, mm -hmm. Vision loss, again, or yeah, vision loss, I use if in the sense of like I did kind of lose it because of that. Um, but because I'm totally blind, I use these terms less often. But surprisingly, they're still in my vocabulary um, a bit more than I thought they would be. It's interesting, the partially sighted um, sort of thought of like partial, like part of your vision. I think it, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 13 years ago, um, we had a conversation about this at the, at the Blind Beginnings board table because CNIB had started using partially sighted instead of visually impaired. And I believe the reasoning was to focus on sight and having partial sight rather than impaired or broken vision, like sort of they saw it as a more positive way to describe. And there were people on the board who were partially sighted or visually impaired or both, you know, same thing. Um, and we didn't really, some people preferred partially sighted, some per people preferred visually impaired. And it was kind of 50-50. So we decided to go with, we're going to use blind and partially cited as the way we describe this community in writing on our website, in our language. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, we never, nobody really said the whole idea of like having part of your vision, which is very, that describes it. I, I feel like partially cited and visually impaired. If you're totally blind, your vision is impaired, right? <laughs> so that does fit for everyone. I feel like, um, 
it's, it's just interesting. So I'm sure that people listening are, if, if you're not part of the blind community, you're just like, what are we supposed to call you people? <laughs> so, I mean, my general rule of thumb is pay attention to how the person refers to themselves and go with that. So it's going to be different depending on who you're speaking about. But I don't know if you guys have a different approach. Is there a safe label that, that you feel people could use? I like it when people do ask. I think it's kind of like my pronouns mm. um, and any other label we use in society, right? Um, yeah. I think this one, it doesn't have to be any more scarier than the others. I think kind of watching and asking people is always the best way to go. Um, if you're looking for a neutral term, I think visually impaired, like we say, do does encompass that. Um but I think also when you ask someone, you know, if you're at that comfort level, hey, how much vision do you have? Um, what, you know, what what um, label do you use for yourself would also kind of fall under that as well. Mm. I feel like um, most people wouldn't be bothered by either visually impaired or partially sighted, like kind of how we're all relatively ambiguous about it. Um, personally, I don't find anything negative about visually impaired because my vision is mm -hmm. bad. It's impaired. It right. just it's is. the truth. There's no, yeah. there's no, why tiptoe around it? It's bad. I would rather just be able to say, Hey, I'm visually impaired mm -hmm. and have someone understand that. And I actually going back a little bit, I find it kind of funny. You all think that's like the safer option to use because if I, I feel like no, again, nobody knows what visually impaired really means. And so they all they just get confused by it as opposed to it helping me much. Mm -hmm. But I also um, predominantly don't go out with a cane or any other, uh, I guess, external visual cue um, to other people that I might be less than uh, or have less vision than expected. Um, I have really thick glasses, but that doesn't mean anything to most people. So mm -hmm. it's a safer option, but I find it more complicated. Right. I think, I don't know, like, like kind of what I said in the intro where blindness really, um, and Ginny might, might, I don't know if you can relate to this, but in a lot of cultural settings, um, and I think in general kind of has a negative connotation to it. Um, so I, because even medically, um, my acuity was a little bit difficult to figure out. So I wasn't even for a while sure if I met the legal blindness criteria. So a lot of doctors and family members shied away from saying the word blind around me. Um, now, I don't know if that's because they didn't want me to associate myself with it or they didn't want me to get associated with it. So whether it's an internal or an external thing, but I've noticed that people get more offended when someone uses blind around me or to me than I do. Um, like in situations where if I'm not, if I don't have my cane and, um, I'm just with a friend or family member and I say, but they call me blind or something, um, someone will be like, oh, you, you shouldn't call her that. Or, oh, like, is that okay to use? Like, is that fine? And I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the connotation that's been associated with it throughout society that really people have the issue with. Um, and I don't think any, and I could be generalizing here. I highly doubt that at least anyone I know, if you do call them blind, even if they are partially sighted would truly be offended. Um, if you are really unsure, like Jenny said, there's no harm in asking and, and being upfront that you're not sure. But, um, labels have powers like as you can see like what randy was saying too like people think that some are safer than others but um that's not always the case and it's a bit it could be a little bit of a complicated thing to navigate depending on the kind of how, how you're raised and whatever the situation is growing up to so it's an interesting thing yeah i think that when i was younger i didn't want to be referred to as blind and that was part of my own internalized ableism and I was, I was treated like I was, you know, better because I had more vision. I, I'm thinking of even at summer camp, like blind camp where the kids with low vision were allowed certain privileges that the totally blind kids weren't. So it was almost like a status thing. And, and I just wanted people to know at that point in my life, 
no, no, I, I can see, <laughs> even though I could see badly. Um, I mean, I've come a long way, so I feel, I don't feel that way now at all, but of course now I am blind, so it's hard to, you know, compare. Um, I think we should define legal blindness. Randy mentioned 10%. So if perfect vision is 20, 20, 10% would be 20 over 200, which means that what somebody with perfect vision can see at 200 feet, a person with 10% vision would have to be 20 feet to identify it. You could also be classified as legally blind if you had less than 20 degrees of vision, which would be like looking through a toilet paper roll. So 10% vision is like pretty good. I mean, in the blind world, pretty good. <laughs> we, we kind of, you know, somebody with 10% vision might not often won't require a white cane for their mobility. They'll be able to read print. Um, but there's, they still only have 10% of, of what a typical person can see. And the term legal blindness is really just sort of what the government decided who would be able to get some concessions like a free bus pass or um, services from, I get, well, actually you can get services from CNIB even if you have a little bit more than 10% vision. Um, but basically that's that's like the tax, the disability tax credit. Um, I don't know what other concessions do do we get <laughs> a few, there's a few things. Like licensing, um, as well, but that's also, that's more complex, but, um, like certain grants. Oh that's yeah. Also like disability is, student services. Although I think that's changed now too. Yeah. It's complex. Um, being on disability for right. disability benefits. Um, benefits as well as I think, um, even in schools, like receiving certain certain things, but again, that's complex as well because there's a medical. You can get medical uh, paperwork for that. So there's also like medical blindness, visual impairment versus like the legal um, visual impairment, which we'll get into. But yeah, there's there's that. And I think they're basically the same. Some people say medically blind or legally blind, but basically that that 10%. So Randy, you're not 10%. Um, but you're also not like to be able to drive, I believe it's 20 over 70 or something like that. And if you're like, I don't know, I was trying to figure out what you would be over what 20 over a hundred, maybe if you have, I don't know, or 20 over 150, like instead of 20 over 200, it's, it's like, then there's this gray area of people who don't get the free bus pass, but still can't see all the things. Sean, aren't you lucky? I just happened to have um, an eye appointment recently, so I can actually tell you my acuity updated. Okay, cool. Um, so I have one eye that's a little bit better than the other, and I'm about 2070. Mm. And so I don't actually, I also don't actually know what it is to drive. I think it, I, I remember it being like 20 over 50. But okay, it could be. I don't, I don't know. know if that's correct. Either way, I do not feel comfortable at my vision to be driving. Um, a few people here probably know, or have, I've mentioned in the past, if we've hung out before, but I actually did have my driver's license in high school, totally legally passed the test, totally fine. Um, I moved to from a small town to a very large city, and uh, it's very much not a place I can drive in. Um, and I would still feel, feel pretty comfortable on a country road that's, pretty low speed limit, very low traffic, but I don't think um, I should actually be driving until we start getting those bionic eyes and implants and really, really self-driving cars. <laughs> so I actually handed in my license at one point, but uh, touching on what Ginny mentioned, there is sometimes different categories for things like school. So I don't count well, I shouldn't say I don't count, but I don't qualify for things like the free bus pass and your disability income or your savings plan or whatever the healthcare uh, coverage is. But I can't basically I don't qualify with the government, but I can qualify with disability with school so I can get my disability allowances there, whether that's um, taking recorded audio notes of a class or having extra time on an exam or something like that. Um, that was because um, 
on the form for that portion of disability accessibility services. I think it's called actually accessibility services. There's it's it's worded something like has an acuity of less than I think it was 2070 or functions on a daily basis as if less than. And I have some other underlying factors such as migraines and headaches I get chronically. And so I, one of my ophthalmologists signed off on that. She's like, absolutely. You definitely qualify under that. I have no problem signing off on that. Um, so I am happy to qualify there because I have returned to school after, after a long hiatus and, it's nice to have a little less stress on your back as a student. I did want to add a bit to that. Um, so from what I know, um, at least from my experience, like like Randy was saying, um, in terms of school disability services and um, also for the disability income, um, like provided provincially, there is a bit more discretion in that sense. Um, if the medical professional, like on a medical side, if your doctor deems you, um, they are more likely to give it in the sense of, yes, there is a threshold you need to hit, but since I am legally blind, my acuity uh, is about uh, 20 or 500. Um, so I hit that threshold, but if the doctor doesn't think I need it, which is a whole other thing because, you know, they don't really see you often. They don't really know what your capabilities are. Um, mm -hmm. I was initially rejected from all of that. Um, and it was a bit of a hassle to appeal because I thought it was a bit unfair um, getting a new agent assigned and all that. So from what I know, it's not just, a, oh, just because you are. So you kind of go in also into that middle ground of if you have um, sight, but they deem you as functional, what, what they think is a functional person in heavy quotes, um, they may not give it to you based on medical discretion as well. That was kind of my for that. Yeah, you're talking about like a disability benefits kind of yeah. pension thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's not a it's not like a oh, you're legally blind. Okay, you get it. Definitely not. Yeah. You have to prove you need it and prove yeah, oh, let that's a whole other topic. I yeah. feel like <laughs> I just wanted to give that disclaimer a bit. Yeah. Um and an interesting thing about the usual uh acuity eye chart tests where you just, you know, read a le letters off the screen or mm. the chart of the distance. Um I can't remember exactly what I was told, so please no one come after us <laughs> or anything. But um, it's something like if you either get any of the letters on that line or if you get like three out of five letters on that line, basically, even if you, you know, can't read some of them, they would still potentially assign you that acuity because you got some of them. So I might go, uh, you know, well, that's obviously an A because it's a tr big triangle. There's no other triangle-shaped letters. Does that mean I can read it? Or because I know that an A is a giant triangle and because they're also always capital letters. Yeah, that's a good point. Because when you are visually impaired, you do learn to just sort of like recognize the shapes of things and yeah. fill in the blanks, right? So the better you are at that, the more people think you can see. <laughs> yeah. The more years of my brain, you know, like for example, I always use this example. Um, when I go into a, a store or a restaurant and I need to find the washroom, I can find the sign that says washroom well before I can read the individual letters because the word washroom has a specific shape that not a lot of other words have. Mm -hmm. And also you're looking at within a certain context, you know, they're usually in like a corner or the back or, you know, you're not going to find a washroom you know, mm -hmm. you're not going to find a lot of other things with a lot of signs and places like this, you know? Yeah, totally. But is it, is it reading the thing or is it 28 years of my brain filling in the blanks and guessing really well? Do you know anything about like, if you can read the E, what acuity that is? So I, I think the one giant capital E is 20 over 200. Oh, okay. I think if you can read that or if you can't read that, that's kind of your limit of right. legally blind and that's the limit of that chart basically and it's a, i think it's called a snellen chart it's like the yeah. most common mm -hmm. eye chart layout there are some modificate modified ones for kids who might not know their letters yet and it might be a mm -hmm. point the direction the arrow is going or a little you know yeah. is it an o or an x or a circle or something but it you know usually it's the same one and it's it should be measured i think at you're supposed to be sitting at 20 feet from it so sometimes in smaller offices it'll bounce 
like a projector image off of a mirror to like mm. i think it'll it would bounce off behind you and then land in the mirror in front of you and then it would make up the distance to you know yeah. two times yeah. 10 i guess or whatever that's good for people to kind of get a sense so if all you can see is that e and you can't identify anything smaller than that that would be 10% vision or 20 over 200 um i think so when um, we when we can't read the eye chart, like, you know, eventually it gets to like counting fingers from a foot away from your eye. You know, if you're able to do that, uh, that's a certain, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that is, but <laughs> yeah, it's 5%. Um, actually, maybe? I don't know. Another interesting side note is I did ask once my ophthalmologist what my acuity would be without my glasses. Cause they don't measure it that way normally. And first he's like, well, nothing. And I'm like, haha, yes, very funny. But if I wanted a number, and mm. he said basically like one over 400, which I mm. still am confused by that math. I'm not sure. If it, someone else did the math at one point and said they thought it worked out. But okay. so that would be what I can see within one foot. Someone else can see within 400 feet if they have average vision. And some people might not know, but you can actually have better than 20-20 vision as well. So you can actually... Yeah. Some people either either they're born that way and just have really good eyes, or if they were to get like a you know laser eye surgery, sometimes it'll bring them up even higher than twenty twenty. So then they're they're like twenty over ten and twenty over fifteen and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, good point. This is all with best corrected. So to be classified as legally blind, that's with your glasses on. So all you people who think you're legally blind because you can't see with your glasses off. You're not. <laughs> if you can put glasses on <laughs> and see better than the E on the chart, uh, you are not legally blind. Okay. Let's just like, I actually had somebody today say that to me. Actually, two people, two different people, two different conversations. But yeah, talking about how they're also visually impaired because without yeah. their glasses, <laughs> like, no, you're not. Okay. I feel like there's also sort of this belief that some vision is better than no vision. Uh, I mean, I've, I've known people in my life who will ask like, Oh, do you have any vision? And I'll say, yeah, I can see a little bit or I can see light or I can see this. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Which, um, I mean, it I, sure. When it's helpful, like if it's functional, it, it can be good for sure. Like I'm not, I'm not debating that. Um, some vision is helpful for sure. But what do you, what are your thoughts on this whole belief that some vision is better than no vision? It, it depends on the person. I think, I think it's so hard because everyone sees things pun not intended from their angle, um, and their perspective that we often forget that they all have their set of pros and cons so for me i wouldn't want to be i wouldn't want to have um any remaining vision because i can't imagine being stuck in two different worlds or like feeling like oh i have a little bit of this and then missing it uh right now as someone who's totally blind like i i'm so glad i am i'd prefer this and that's where I would do the, oh, that's good. Because I don't know what I'm missing out on. It's 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 much easier to explain to people. It's mm -hmm. just solid, right? Mm -hmm. um, but for someone who is partially sighted, it, and of course, you know, Ish and Randy can also speak to this, it might be helpful. They can see certain things. They can find bathrooms. They can do that. But then, you know, we sometimes forget that they also struggle and that they have a foot in two worlds. Um, I feel like the status thing that, Sean, that you were talking about is still there. Um, mm -hmm. When I go to summer camps, I do feel like the kids with low vision are treated better and allowed to do more, are actually responsible for us, which upsets me a lot of the time. But again, to them, they might be feeling that pressure where because they have a little bit of sight to watch out for us but i remember like we were sitting in an airport and the low vision kids got to go into the airport store 
But then when one of my, uh, a person that I knew who was totally blind wanted to go, the low vision people were pretty adamant that they didn't leave. Um, so there's still that as well. Uh, um, really? Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But I feel like sometimes, you know, the partially sighted, visually impaired, low vision and blindness communities actually clash, which is really unfortunate. And it's something that's always been super fascinating to me. Um, but it's also something that I try really hard to get from both sides because I've seen it. I've seen blind people argue and get upset with partially sighted people, vice versa. And I'm like, we're all in the same boat. We're mm-hmm. just at different parts of the boat. Yeah. What you said about, um, just not having to explain anything and people understand it. Like, I, I feel like when I lost most of my vision, life was simpler. Like I definitely agree that well, first of all, first of all, I have to use a cane now. So there's not a choice <laughs> of like, I don't want to use this and I can kind of maybe get by without, and I'm just going to memorize where everything is. Like, I can't do that. It would not be safe. And so I'm okay with it. Right. Finally, I'm okay with it. Am I okay with it? Because I don't have a choice. Or am I okay with it because I, I just need it? Or like, I don't know, but I know that it's simpler. And then because I use a cane all the time, people all, they just know I'm blind. And if I need help, like they know why I'm, I need help. So, but let's hear from some partially sighted folks. Ishita, <laughs> what do you yeah. think about this? So I think my mentality growing up because I was constantly fed this was I'm one of the lucky ones mm. because I have remaining vision. Um, and that, is kind of what because I grew up very um integrated in the sighted world uh my experience with other blind people was extremely limited so I was always the person who had more vision and because we were children independence really wasn't a thing in general but I tend to have a bit more than the people I saw so I started like I I still don't I still can't fathom this idea and I didn't know this was a thing until I joined Blind Beginnings and actually started talking to people that there is this hierarchy kind of thing where Mm. the mentality is that partial sighted people are better quote unquote or have more of like a there's like I I could not fathom it and I still don't understand it um but because I my mentality is more like Jenny's where we all all are kind of in the same boat but um that being said I also experienced that in between two worlds thing where um, I'm too sighted to be totally blind and what's generally considered as blind, but I'm also too blind to be considered sighted. So Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a difficult, difficult thing to navigate. And I think both have their pros and cons. Um, I think generally I've noticed that people who are partially sighted tend to get um, assumptions that they can see more they get pushed to the they can see more than what is what they actually can versus people who are totally blind might get the opposite of it's less than what is kind of is you're kind of you kind of get round, we get rounded up and I'm using very general terms people who are blind get rounded out if that makes sense so in context of where I, I might need the same support as someone who is um, totally blind, um, like in an education sense, because I can't read print without it being very magnified, or I just tend to rely on voiceover. Um, and on paper, everything is the same. But my the assumption with me is that I can see a lot more because just because I can kind of, I don't always walk around with the cane, because again, my field is a lot broader, um, because I have my partial, my sorry, like peripheral vision and it's easier for me to walk around but again details is where I struggle and that is really just what reading is so it's it's hard and I clearly remember again I I bring this up quite a bit but when I went to uh, a blind beginning sports day event my kind of really first interaction with blind people when I was explaining my vision everyone was like so like, oh my God, that's so complicated. I can't imagine being you kind of thing. <laughs> and Clement literally said that to me. So it's, it is, it has its, its benefits in the sense of some context may be a bit easier where I don't always need to ask for help. Um, but there are a lot of downfalls that people just don't understand. And it is a little bit hard to, to communicate that with my blind friends and my sighted friends. So mm-hmm. it is a weird middle ground for sure. Well, I'm thinking also about like, I didn't learn Braille when I was going to school. 
Um, I mean, it, there's a few reasons why, but I was able to read print until I was 18, but I could only see a couple letters at a time, but it was kind of like, woohoo, I can read print. Lucky me. But, but now reading braille, I'm very slow. It, I, I just have to like use a few words here and there to cue me what I want to say. I definitely could not sit down and read a book in braille. So I'm, you know, and I feel like for you, Ishitha, like reading print is a, is a struggle, but you didn't, you don't read Braille, right? No. Um, so the way with me, and it's generally, I think a trend now where you get pushed to technology more, I learned it for two years, but, um, because I was a lot slower in reading Braille, cause I was just learning. I was only like nine or something. And when I started, um, they immediately were just like, okay, this isn't working you're going to learn, learn technology because this is faster. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the assumption that whatever is easier is going to be more convenient. Um, and we're going to just go with that and you're going to do that. But yeah, I do wish I did keep with Braille or at least that option would have been given to me just because it is going to be helpful in a lot of situations where the print is small. Um, I can't read it and there are Braille uh, like letters on elevators or in rooms and that stuff. Um, I unfortunately need assistance or, um, kind of zoom in with my phone and that's a whole hassle because if I don't get the, I can't even see things in the view or whatever. So yeah, yeah. it's that assumption that, oh, it's going to be easier just go with it. And um, because my print was so slow reading that it was also just a letter at like at a time. So it's a weird thing that they kind of chose for me. Even like cane technique and stuff like that. Like I'm thinking, you know, as my vision has deteriorated, I'm having to navigate it as a blind person. But when I had all those supports, when I was going through school, I was a partially sighted person. And so I'm sure that there's things that I don't do as well because I was partially sighted. So I didn't need to learn those things. Like I, I'm, I feel like when you're totally blind, you're, there is no, well, maybe there'll be a print reader or maybe there'll be a, or maybe they can navigate with their prefer. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's just easy. It's just clear. It's like, yep, you're going to learn these things. You're going to need them. Boom. Here we go. And everybody understands. And I think that's an advantage actually. I recently had to decide whether I want to stick with my ID cane, which I was originally given once I left high school, um, just as an, in case, Cause it was like, Oh, maybe you might need it when you're in university. Maybe not. You can just have it. Um, and it was probably a lot smaller. Cause when I actually started, when I bought my own cane, I'm like, this is like waist height for me. I don't know if this is right. <laughs> when I originally got, I maybe I grew taller or what, but, um, never went over cane usage, how to use it. I think only a couple of lessons. Um, and it was just uh, your, the identity, the ID cane is a lot thinner and it's just not meant to be dragged on the grain, just hold it in front of you to let people know your low vision. Um, but I, when I kind of practically for me, it was not great because I was using it on the ground for a lot of things. And since the ground is textured, it kept getting stuck like every few steps. Mm -hmm. So I'm, um, but then I was deciding, I'm like, am I allowed to have mobility cane? Like that actually was, I was dealing with that dilemma there's no rules. There's no one saying I can't have it. There's no one going to come and take my cane away from me because I'm using mobility cane, God forbid. Um, it was just a self-imposed thought for some reason that I was never taught, no, you don't need it. Um, you can walk around fine. Um, but I kind of, after talking to a friend who just said, why, why not? I'm like, actually, yeah, why not? <laughs> What's the reason I get? Yeah. Um, I did get a mobility cane and it's made things so much easier <laughs> and I, no regrets. I'm really glad that I decided to do that. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting perspective of, am I allowed, am I entitled to this tool because am I blind enough to be able to use this? Right. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, you're walking around with, without, you know, with 10% vision, missing a lot of stuff. Uh, Randy, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> so, um, I tend to say it relatively often, this kind of crowd, I'm in a bit of a unique position because I was raised by a legally blind mother. And so from the beginning, it was Kate, she inherited the gene. We're going to do everything. So I had started learning Braille around grade one elementary school, not to be confused with grade one Braille for anyone listening. 
Um, and basically, because we at that point in time, we didn't know what my vision was going to do. There's a couple of examples within our family of, okay, you know, it could start going downhill as early as nine or 10, or it could be fully stable till your 40s or 50s. No way to know, basically, if she makes it to uh, about 12 without any detachments or problems, then she's probably good for a while. So uh, once it starts, it was noticeable that like, okay, it doesn't seem like anything's changing drastically, going to change suddenly, most likely, you know, as a six or seven year old who enjoys being told to practice a weird language thing you didn't really want to do in the first place. So I dropped it. So I don't read Braille tactily with my fingers. I can still decipher it by sight. I don't know all my letters or punctuation, but um, I, if I had needed it, it would have been readily accessible to me to pick up, I guess, mm. because there was no family hangups, no school hangups. You know, I, again, I am from a small town, so we had somewhat limited interaction there with like teachers of visually impaired or mobility instructors or anything like that and for the most part i didn't need anything so they kind of were like great uh see you next year <laughs> <laughs> um but i never my vision was never allowed to be an excuse for why i couldn't do a thing basically uh which is both good and frustrating at times and but also um now has kind of set the bar high for uh well I can is I can pretty much do anything, which you know falls right in with Blind Begain's philosophy. There, kind of touching on what Ishto was talking about too. I'm still two sighted to refer to myself as blind, but I'm close enough to blind to fight with the rest of the sighted community, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I never really had a cane. I didn't really use one. I had a couple of like magnifiers and. Yeah, I had a, you know, I used the talking book service, library service from CNIB growing up and stuff like that, but I didn't have a whole lot of accommodations or technology for the most part. Um, this is also, I'm a little bit older than the other couple of co-hosts here. So it's a little bit different time period with school and technology and interaction and stuff like that by a few years. But then when there were certain situations where I felt like not necessarily unsafe, but I guess uncomfortable to not have some kind of device or a friend with me or something. So particularly a large crowded events, like I used to work at BC Place at one point and when everyone's leaving the stadium at the same time to get to the SkyTrain station, that's quite the crowd. Um, and also places like, um, you know, anytime your city has like a uptown fest or a street fair or something, you know, it usually gets pretty crowded. It's hard to walk along, look at things, not run into people and stuff like that. So I, after a while, at one point I did get a, a mobility cane and I do use in like basically crowds and airports because that's another one for me is like now that I'm adult and I do a, bit, a little bit of traveling, um, you know, especially if it's, you're dealing with customs, you don't want to anger the nice officers at the desks so you know it's kind of a easier way to be like i'm sorry i cannot tell which one of you is calling me i can't see your hand gestures please don't get upset with me i'm not just trying to hold up the line you know right. a little bit of a defense mechanism almost for that and and same thing with crowds it's a little bit it gives you a little bit of breathing space i guess because everyone else is like oh okay, if she bumped into me, it's not just because she was not paying attention on her phone or something. Yeah, I think that was a big pressure. I remember when I could see more was like, if I make a mistake, no one's going to know it's because I'm visually impaired. So they're going to make other assumptions about me. And when you have the cane, when you have some way, when you, when you have a, a visible disability, then people just automatically understand, which is kind of another positive to just being low really low vision or no vision right it's like yeah people get it they get it you don't have to explain anything you don't have to worry about am i blind enough to use this cane or am i if i don't use the cane and i don't see them waving am i gonna get in trouble or <laughs> make somebody I have angry literally walked past my coworker and boss 
on the sidewalk, like next to me on the sidewalk, not across the street on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And didn't recognize them like i see these ladies coming towards me and they're kind of looking at me like their heads are tilted in a little bit of a funny way and i'm like looking at them but i can't see their faces and then like they're like i pass them because i'm you know going because i'm on my way somewhere and they're like randy i'm like oh hi i know you <laughs> so <laughs> yeah um, and i've done that a few times and because especially if you're not expecting to see someone or run into somebody in a specific place or context like if you only ever see this one person at work if you run into them at the bank your brain mm. might not switch in to be able to like yeah who is this why are you vaguely familiar you know and so i kind of just warn people ahead of time now i'm like especially if i'm meeting a group of people so there's a lot of new faces or names and voices and everything i'll be like hey cool I will probably walk past you in the office and please don't be offended because I will not recognize you. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to just tie it back a little bit earlier to uh, the question of, is it better, quote unquote, to be visually impaired or have no vision whatsoever? And I think um, Sean kind of nailed it because I don't think the question is, is it better? Better is not really the word. Um, I think having some vision puts you in a more independent position where you, you know, probably don't need to have someone walk you to the bathroom or you might be, you can probably find your own way into the building, to the new doctor's office or something like that. Um, you know, I never have to worry if I have a guide dog and if do I take the guide dog or is Uber going to deny me a ride? I never have to worry about these kinds of things. But it is definitely simpler to just be blind and just be like, I'm blind. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, you know, if, like when I do use my cane, I feel like people are watching me to be like, is she really blind? You know, because she's looking at me. So mm -hmm. she can't be blind. And obviously I have glasses. So obviously I'm not totally blind. And lots of people who use canes aren't 100% totally blind. And, but it's just like, I don't want to do the wrong, you know, yeah, get the community in trouble by looking like a faker. But I also like don't uh want to, you know, like, you know, I'm still going to walk my normal pace. I'm not going to like mm. walk slower and timidly to make sure I fit the public perception of what a blind people person walking should look like. That is yeah. such a good point about like the perception of blindness in the community. And I wonder if that's why, uh, I don't know. I just had a thought, but I wonder if, if, if you ever feel like, okay, if you do have a lot of vision for, you know, a legally blind person and you're using a white cane and people who, who are totally blind are like, you don't need to use that. You have so much vision. Why are you using that? I like, I wonder if there's a fear of like, well, if you look too capable with your white cane, then society's going to think all of us totally blind people should be able to make eye contact like that or be able to find our, the doorway really easily. Or I don't know. I don't know, but I do feel like there's kind of this like we're not a cohesive group sometimes and we're kind of I definitely know. have some kind of fear of something mm -hmm. but like I don't really know like there's, I, there aren't a you know mobility and orientation police that are going to come yeah call <laughs> me out and sue yeah. me for not being blind enough and using a mobility cane it's all internal none of it's external I, I will say I have been accused of faking it which was a fun experience <laughs> and so have I uh, which is really weird yeah and that's <laughs> That's like, I don't know. Like, I, I should, when if someone accused Ginny, I would be like, oh my God, what? Like, that, that seems it's so. It's because I was using my cell phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I was looking down at it, it because like... that's where you're supposed to, like, generally look, I guess. Right. Yeah. That comes from, yeah. I guess, maybe more people just don't understand what blindness is. But for me, it's like it was with a person of authority, a professor, and it was like, well, did you even like try to do this when I kind of said that I couldn't see this thing? And they're like, could you though? Like, are you sure you couldn't? Cause you walked in my class totally fine. Right. Able yes. to find your seat. And I'm like, um, I'm talking about a visual graph that I can't see. Mm -hmm. It's not the same thing as finding a physical big desk, just saying. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And it's, it's really, it is rare. It is, that's only happened once. It is more so internally when I'm like on the sky train, I use my cane there because again, I don't want to slow down the crowd or if there's a reason why I'm stopping somewhere and find like feeling for the stairs, that's why. But I can also just see the door opening and run to it. And people are like, oh my God, like, yeah. how did she do that? Like, she just ran. Is that allowed? And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> I don't want to. 
like I can see the the uncomfortable stares and and I can feel them, but I also just don't want to announce to the whole train like I can kind of see, but I can't also. Right. So, you know, it's, yes. No, I feel like you got to hand out cards that explain your vision or something. <laughs> It's it's all internal. It's really rarely external, but uh, I think uh, I can definitely relate to that, Randy. It's a common thing that we deal with. I feel I- like that really ties into it being a spectrum because I know, um, Sean, I know you do some of our local bus driver training uh, mm-hmm. orientation stuff on on different kind of visual impairments, and um, I feel like what Isha just said about like, well, you walked in the class fine. Why couldn't you see this thing on this paper or whatever, mm-hmm. like? Is, is kind of what you talk to the new yeah. trainees about like what not you, to assume maybe you can board the bus and find a seat independently but you can't read the bus number or you might be able to uh or you might need help to find a seat but then you pull out a book and start to read because yeah what eye condition you have and how your vision is impaired is going to impact how you operate which i feel like we should say 92 percent of people who are legally blind have some level of vision anywhere from light perception up to 10 percent vision so actually only eight percent of people who are legally blind are totally blind so the totally blind folks are the rare the rarest like really most people have some vision um that are legally blind. So it's, it's funny that you feel so misunderstood in the world when you have partial sight, when, you know, the majority of legally blind folks do have partial sight. So, yeah. And technically those stats don't include people like me who are on like the cusp edge. Mm -hmm. So then there's a whole category of people that, yeah, might not get included in X and Y, but have to deal with A, B and C, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, definitely, as I have lost more vision, there are things that I'm like, oh, it was easier when I could see the line of the crosswalk every time. But then I also feel like my ability to cross a street could improve if I hadn't relied on seeing that crosswalk my whole life too, and paid attention to listening to, you know, to be able to walk straight. So that doesn't mean that. Yeah. So it's, I, I felt when I had more vision, if I was the one with the most vision in the blind group, I felt this immense responsibility to see for everyone else, to be able to find the entrance, to be able to find the table, to be able to find the bathroom. And because I didn't have a lot of vision, that was like really, really difficult. And so being, having less vision now and not having to be in that role is a win for me. I just like, whew, all right, thank God I'm not that person anymore. So yeah. I don't know, like when I think of about it. I, I do feel life is simpler. Sure. There are things that I miss maybe, you know, there, there's maybe some visual things that were, I don't know. I don't know. Really. Audiobooks are pretty fantastic. I was, you know, reading, (laughs) reading was helpful, but audiobooks, things have come a long way too with technology and audible and things like that. But I don't know. Life is definitely simpler with less vision in my opinion. For me. No, I I definitely agree. It's much simpler. I feel like sometimes I do like feel like when there is like someone partially sighted who kind of is doing all the looking, I kind of feel like, okay, are they doing it because they're trying to be helpful or are they doing it because they think that I need it? So I feel like that's like as someone who is a total, like that's where I struggle. Whereas with you, Sean, like you kind of have the experience from both sides, which is quite interesting. Well, it's funny. I felt, I don't think anybody like, um, you know, I used to hang out with a totally blind person a lot and he never, I don't think he was expecting me to be able to see, and he was better at mobility than I was. And he was teaching Mm -hmm. me stuff, but I still felt this pressure that I think I put it on myself. Like I believed, well, if I have vision, then I should be able to do this because you don't. So, but yeah, it, I don't, yeah. it wasn't anything that he enforced on me. I don't know. Ishita, no, no. Randy, yeah. do you guys feel this responsibility to be able to see for the group? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even hesitated. Oh boy. In yeah. sync. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think it might be a bit different for Randy than me because I think in our group, if Randy's not there, then I'm the most excited. But <laughs> she is there. She's the most excited. So it's a bit weird. But we talked about it a few episodes ago when we were talking about hanging out with people who are blind. Right. Um, but when, yeah, when I'm there, and I think it also comes down to personality. I also just tend to be the person who's like, I can do it. I have a lot of confidence that it's misguided a lot of the time. But I got this. Um, so it's not because I assume the other person can't do it. Um, in some cases, if I'm comfortable to do it, I'll just kind of just take the lead and say, yeah, okay, I can guide you to the door if they don't ask. Um, and if I do it unintentionally, I'm very sorry if you think it's because I'm assuming you can't do anything. But um, yeah, it, it is the sense of people either they'll ask, can you do you see if there's something here? Do you see mm. if there's something there? And it's very contextually like if it's at night probably not um if it's in the day and it's too bright probably not so it's not a yes or a no thing all the time and um i'm more comfortable explaining it with some people than others but yeah generally i think i feel it a lot even like if the friends don't put it on me i kind of like i do need to be the one who's kind of guiding everyone or or making mm -hmm. sure we get there safe or doing whatever in that group situation yeah See, and hearing that as a totally blind person, I don't like that. Like, I get where it comes from, but then I don't like that, right? Like, it's it's this weird power balance dynamic. But I have been that person that's asked the person who has vision. Like, I do sort of have this, ex like, I remember being at an event with you, Randy, and it was like a, a table of, of food. And you were telling me what they're, you know, like, I there's like this, well, you can see you can see more than I can. So can you tell me what there is, but you're asking somebody to do something that's actually kind of hard for them to do, but, but easier than it would be for me to do. You? Yeah. yeah. So I do think that I have probably put that on people at times, but I also remember how it felt and I would be kind of mad that I was being asked to see when I couldn't, but then you know, trying so hard to be able to also, so I don't know if I was mad just that I couldn't see or mad that I was letting down other people or I don't know. I just remember it being not good, not fun to be in that role. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to describe because it's not that I mind and probably I can speak for anyone who ends up being in this position. It's like, it's not that we mind, you know, trying to read the menu for the table or trying to decipher the buffet dishes or whatever. It's, it, it's, you know, it's hard to explain. It's for me, it's also very contextual where it's like, okay, cool. We're at my house, we're at a friend's house, whatever, you know, it's a group of people I'm familiar with. I know that they can do for themselves. And if they need extra help, they'll ask. And so I kind of mm -hmm. don't necessarily offer anymore because, or, or if it's like, I'm grabbing another drink. Does anyone want one? I'd probably do that with any kind of group yeah. of people I was with because I'm going there. It's convenient. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, does anyone else want a drink? Or if someone asks, like, what do we have in the fridge? You know, again, very normal question, even if you have sight, if you just haven't looked in the fridge yet mm -hmm. or or whatever. But, like, I, I won't just, like, let new folks fend for themselves or obviously, like, if it's, like, a Blind Beans event and we have younger folks, you know, mm -hmm. or, or less independent, less experienced folks than you know different situation and everything um it also depends on like you know are my eyes already tired and aching that day and then i have a group of 10 friends and we don't have a braille or accessible online menu and then mm -hmm. half of them aren't listening so then i read the menu and then people are like oh could you go back to that five minutes later and yeah stuff like that so it's 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 just tricky um you know, like for something like, like a buffet or something, though, know, I'd probably be like, yeah, there's, you know, it looks like mixed vegetables. Can't identify what's in it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the best guess. So might I might be, be raisins, wrong. might be chocolate chips, donut. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> shot, and that's a terrible one to make. But um, <laughs> it's also tricky then when you, you know, because because having more vision, I feel worse complaining when mm. I run into <laughs> basically the same problems as any right. other blind person has or whatever. And, but it feels like I have less right to complain because yeah. I still probably technically have it easier. 
this has been so great. And I think hopefully people understand that blindness is absolutely a spectrum. We didn't even get into, you know, people who lose their vision later in life compared to people who are born mm. without vision and that whole dynamic and that spectrum, because that's different again, but just to be aware that, yeah, you know, blindness ranges from no vision up to 10% or maybe even 20% or, <laughs> and everywhere and everything in between. So I hope that people have found this interesting. Thank you guys so much for being here and sharing your perspectives. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.